Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to In the Finest Hour, a 40K competitive podcast that teaches you tips and strategies you can use in about an hour. I am your host, Sean Morgan, also known as Abuse Puppy, and I have with me from the one side our good podcast host, Shaylin Allen West. Greetings. And from the opposite side, our evil podcast host, Ben Jurek. Hello again, listeners. All right, all right, Shaylin. You you said before the episode you had a, a zinger of an intro here, so why don't you pitch it to us? All right, I I, I have to, uh, for the sake of plagiarism, say that my husband came up with this one, so it's a joke. What's the emperor's favorite drink? What is the emperor's favorite drink? It's loyalty. That's that is a fresh cup of tea. Uh, <laughs> uh, note to future Shaylin: edit out all of this and delete past episodes of the podcast. It's no longer worth it. Everything is over. <laughs> As our listeners have clearly seen, this is a great dad joke. Uh huh. Yes, the father of the Imperium has fallen to the pun. <laughs> Are you sure she's the good one? I'm changing my mind about a lot of things right about now. Feeling some alignment shift. Uh Uh-huh. I'm taking that 20% experience penalty. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) We have all been playing a fair bit of D&D as well as it happens. Oh, yes. I'm even DMing a few campaigns. Mm -hmm. We should clearly do one with all three of us and just... Nothing. Else. I don't know. I have so many games going already. I'm not sure I have room for another one. <laughs> this is in my hardest of hearts. I logically understand uh-huh. I don't have time either. Yeah. Yeah, that is kind of an issue for adult life. I do two games and a podcast on Sundays, okay? Mm-hmm. Womp womp. So let's go ahead and get into the, the main topic of the episode here, which is surviving the nerf bat. Is it easier than surviving my bad joke? Mm, de- I think so. Depends on how angry you are about the removal of the word and from a single sentence in one word, line of your codex. Fair enough. So let's let's kind of jump into things here by talking about what we mean by that. Because like that that is maybe not uh, a super specific kind of topic. Uh, so what we mean by that is... There is kind of an inevitable process in Warhammer 40k, and really in all games, but especially in 40k, um, of various balance changes to factions and armies. Um, And sooner or later, GW is either going to put out an FAQ or release a new version of a codex that significantly hits the army you had been playing up until that point and really just knocks one of its knees right the heck off uh, and and leaves it in a pretty bad state. Yeah, one thing I want to point out here is the fact that in recent years, as of 8th edition, that it comes a lot faster now. It does. Um, yeah. Beforehand, you had to wait years before anything would change. Um, now you're waiting maybe a few months um, at most. Like Typically, three to six months is kind of the, the life cycle in 8th and 9th edition. Yeah, um, at least with the very obvious things. Um, yeah. And when we talk about the very obvious things, uh, those are your broken models. You're super efficient or probably typoed uh, things at some point uh, where there was kind of an oversight and now everyone's playing three of that model and everybody's using that as the core of that list and it's literally ran in 90% plus a list that are playing that faction. Um, It's going to be rampant um, and you can kind of see the writing on the wall that if that's happening, expect that unit to get nerfed. Yeah, it... Or you can expect something extremely absurd, like at the beginning of 8th, technically you could take multiple Celestines in your army. That obviously didn't stick around. Yeah, uh, the the obvious big caveat we're kind of given here is that, unlike in previous editions, you can't expect that to last for very long. Um, very clear oversights 
GW is fixing within one to three months at the outside. Um, things that are maybe more of a balance issue, such as an under-costed unit or something like that, is usually looking more at like three to six months, sometimes longer than that. Uh, but not often. GW is not allowing single things to run rampant across the game anymore. It just doesn't happen. And you have to expect that. And then we're not only talking about just that, we're also talking about the unexpected changes, like the sudden non-inclusion of, of a specialist attachments comes to mind for me. Sure. Um, me being an orc player, losing that wonderful shock attack gun um, overnight was a heartbreaker. Mm -hmm. uh, but you you got to learn. Yeah. And I would say that kind of takes us to like the first step of all this, which is... You know, your faction has been nerfed hard. The the thing that you were using or leaning on before has really just been bashed up good and is not really an option anymore. Uh, the first thing you should really look at is, like, how bad are the changes actually? Uh, because I know I saw a lot of... Do take Ben's example, orc players crying at the beginning of ninth about how, like, their faction was basically dead now that they could no longer take specialist detachments. And if that had been true in eighth, I might have agreed with them that, like, yeah, they leaned heavily on specialist detachments in eighth edition in order to stay competitive, and without those, they maybe could not have played the game as effectively. Um, but the thing that people have realized in ninth is they didn't actually need those specialist detachments to be one of the best armies in the game. Boys are good. It rang not true, and they kind of shrugged it off, saw the new rules, because once again, a rules change, like from 8th and 9th edition, is its own uh, nerf for some armies and buff for others. Mm -hmm. um, and you kind of have to take it as it goes. You gotta, you gotta go with the punches. And also at the same time, I want to say that just because a unit got nerfed doesn't make that unit unrunnable. It just makes it so you're not going to spam it, which is usually the desire on the design standpoint. Yeah, uh, it, it is often the case that a, a good unit will get multiple rounds of changes or points increases or whatever it may be um, over the course of its life. And in some iterations, it may be good and others not, but it is very common for GW to be fairly conservative about that sort of thing, where they might increase a unit's points by 10% or 15%, and that unit will still be good, just not as good as it was before. Exactly. And it might be that it's like, well, yeah, that super, super mega awesome unit everyone was spamming was really, really good. But it turns out this other unit, your codex, was still also really good. It just wasn't as good as the stupid mega broken thing. Yes. And it's okay to put something on a shelf. Because, like, at the end of the day, things are going to swing back around. They almost always do. Yes. Um, <laughs> that thing that sat on the shelf for half an edition or between a book and a supplement or even maybe a couple years in worst case. Mm -hmm. Um <laughs> It's it's gonna it's gonna swing around and suddenly that's gonna be the hot item and guess who doesn't have to try and get reach through GW out of stock uh, in stores that don't have any and you conveniently have some painted just sitting there ready to go. Yep. If if you are in this for the long game, you can actually uh, I say save money, but really just not waste money uh, by hanging on to some of those units that got nerfed and are no longer popular uh, because they will come back around. Um, Terminators. I'm, yeah, there are very, very few units in this game that have not at some point been pretty close to the top tier. Um, there are some, but there are not very many. And it, it's, they're just like, sooner or later, things become good again. So hang on to those units because they may come back. I'm actually making a little money on that right now. I had a a, a chunk of uh, Dark Vengeance Terminators that are Deathwing. Oh. Um, and those are suddenly worth money. Yeah, you, they are. You should not be able to give those away. Now that now I can get six bucks a piece. Hello, right? eBay. It's, <laughs> the, and, and this is exactly what we're talking about in terms of like, you know, have some patience with things. Um, your unit might not be great right now, but it may very well be good in the, again in the relatively near future. Uh, and it's not going to be the units you expect to be good either. No. Um, I will also point out that 
taking time to build and paint some new models can also help you through the emotional shock of, okay, now I have to redo my whole list. Yeah. Um, and to Shaylin's point there, um, you are going to have to buy new models. Uh, if you want to keep up with the meta, you are going to have to buy new models periodically. Um, yeah, yeah it, you can't live on a 2,000-point list. Yes, uh, or a 2,000-point collection, really. Uh, hopefully, you're you're playing with the 2,000-point list. Otherwise, your TO is going to have some very strong words with you. Unless they're under, Sean. Under is okay. Mm-hmm. I, technically, yes. You can keep those reserve points for the summoning that you don't have access to. <laughs> um, but y you're going to have to purchase new models periodically. Chasing the meta can be expensive if you really want to stick with it, but even if you are not, like, going absolutely maximum deep on playing the best thing at any given time you still are going to have to periodically update your army as things shift. Uh, and that's just, that's that's part of the game. Like, there is an expectation that you are going to be spending at least some money on things. Mm -hmm. um, I'm actually a retail therapy guy, so that really works out for me sometimes. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, like, if, I, if I'm depressed and I'm just like, wow, um, you know, 500 points of what I was playing is now absolute trash, mm -hmm. or what I perceive it to be trash, at least. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, you know what? I'm I'm gonna go buy a custom stampa because screw it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just imagining you with the fashionista glasses and the Karen haircut now. Yeah, yeah. I, I I won't recommend Ben's method to everyone because this game can be absurdly expensive. Um, but. That said, there's a lot you can do with conversions and kind of 90-10 sort of solutions um, where you can update your army without absolutely breaking the bank. Oh, yes. So just sort of build that into your budget of like every so often you are going to have to purchase some new models and that's just sort of how things are because factions change over time. Like... No faction looks exactly the same in terms of army builds now as it did a year ago or two years ago or five years ago. Mm -hmm. And on the topic of spending money on 40k, um, you if you ignore the upfront cost of getting your first army and you set aside um, a you know a monthly spend mm -hmm. um, and you just kind of put that money away in a little its own little account or piggy bank or whichever. By the time the shift comes, you'll actually have a pretty, you know, sizable amount to buy more models with if you mm -hmm. actually, you know, portion it out monthly. Yeah. Um, budgeting actually does work. Who knew? So, yeah, like, when this this big change happens, take a little bit of time to reassess things. And, yes, talk with your community Try not to get too caught up in all of the doom and gloom posting, because there's going to be a lot of it. Um, but rather than focusing on what doesn't work and how your whole faction is ruined and how you'll never be able to play competitive 40k again, uh, in, instead, like, look at, like, what else do we have that can work? What other units have we tried? We've talked about in the past how you can actually get ahead of the meta curve by trying some unusual units. This can be a very good chance to take advantage of that, where once that broken unit that everyone has been running 3x9 of for the past six months gets nerfed, if you were the one who tried out war tracks or whatever other nonsense you've been playing in your, your weird little test games... Um, you can be way ahead of other people on this sort of thing and be like, okay, well, you know, I know that unit was good, but I have another unit that was good that no one else has discovered yet. So you can be a real innovator on that front. Yep. Yeah, the problem with 40K list building and net listing and such is a lot of people kind of lack innovation and lack enthusiasm or just don't really look into what other units are even playable. Um, they mm -hmm. kind of need other people to tell them what's good or to have some sort of proof to the pudding of like, oh, this performed in a GT or this or that. Uh, so it's a scary place to be, and I understand that. Um, but at the same time, you need to be able to open up that codex and go, you know what? 
maybe this this unit is really like the stat between this and the now nerfed unit it actually makes this guy better why don't i just run this um mm-hmm. you're gonna see a lot of the innovators or you know cutting edge of 40k will probably just switch faction at this point because they're always going to try and be at the very very top unless they're faction devoted um which not a lot of people are but some are <laughs> uh I'm pretty I'm pretty faction devoted. I think I think Shaylin can say the same. Yeah. Uh, a little <laughs> we'll, over much if I must say. We'll we'll touch on that later in the episode as well, but we'll we'll come back on that one. Beyond that, like you have to be able to explore more within your own decks uh and get some of your own experience behind the wheel of these things. Yeah. Um if you if you you can't always rely on netlists and meta builds and such to always kind of tell you what to do. Sometimes you have to find it on your own. So feel mm-hmm. free to experiment um, you're, you'll actually have fun with it, prom- I promise. Yeah. So let's, let's kind of keep going down this path a little bit further, because I don't think we've, we've kind of hit all the, the important stuff on this. Let's, let's presume you decide to stick with your faction. Okay. But let's also presume that some of the doomsayers were kind of right, that you know, what was an an A-tier or S-tier faction before is now, like, B or C or E-tier. Poor Gene Steeler Colts. What do we do Ooh, yes. Poor Gene Steeler Colts right now and maybe in the future and maybe not. We, we're not prognosticators. Uh, so wh- what do you do if that happens to you? You have a, a big fall from grace. What are your options? Uh, first is... Well, if you can't build a balance list to solve your problems, build an unbalanced list that doesn't always work, but does hurt. Yeah. Um, a lot of factions, especially towards the bottom, play these skew lists where you don't try and bring a, a balanced list that can do everything equally well. You build a list that is incredible at one thing and terrible at everything else and hope that's enough to carry you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, some sports people like to say any given Sunday, you know, referencing mm-hmm. how any any time in any, any place, you know, a bad team can win a game against a good team. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, same goes in a dice game. Like, oh, yeah. there's still averages and all, but at the same time, you can win with the most atrocious of builds. Um, so go for it, especially if you already have, like, your hammer, your, your thing that you're super strong at. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have the weak matchup, it doesn't mean you lose the weak matchup. It just means it's going to be a little bit harder. And it also doesn't mean that you necessarily pull that weak matchup over the course of a, a tournament. That is um, very yeah, true. it's three games for an RTT. Yeah. All, all factions kind of have to do this to some degree, where you're just sort of like, well, I sure hope I don't get matched up against X, because if I do, I probably am going to lose. Uh, and sometimes you just kind of accept that as like, well, that's just how it is for my army. Yeah, and my personal anecdotal evidence says that I will always pull that matchup. Yeah, I'll well, sit there, I'll go into a tournament and be like, okay, I really I really don't want to play double Castellan. I just I don't want and first first round LVO. Uh-huh. God freaking dang it. Yeah, <laughs> it certainly feels that way sometimes. Yeah. Um but I, I will also say, you know, I've won tournaments with freaking pure gray knights when they were terrible. So it happens. Mm-hmm. You you can do it. Um, and one and of you the can just counter it. Yes, I was gonna say if, especially if your meta is trending in a particular direction. Um, for example, the current ninth edition meta is going heavily towards elite infantry. Um, you can make a very effective skew build by playing some sort of counter to that. Um, if you bring your Imperial Guard army that just has 10 million plasma guns in it, or uh, bring a, a horde gaunt carpet that is just like, well, I brought 350 bodies to the table. What did you bring? Oh, 19 uh, Custodes models, eh? Well... This is going to be interesting for you. (laughs) Nine Eradicators does a whole heck of a lot to a bunch of guns. Yeah. That was a joke. (laughs) You can absolutely build to counter this, uh, the expected meta and kind of what is good, uh, even with a faction that is somewhat subpar. And there's going to be a limitation to this because there's a reason that that faction is ranked as subpar. There may be some failings and problems there. Mm -hmm. Um but that doesn't mean you can't still do well with them. 
we one of the things we've seen a lot of in eighth and ninth edition is these like mid-tier factions piloted by a good player can win gts yes and that is a sign of game balance and health honestly yes to to a certain degree there's an old piece of advice that was given to me a long time ago in competitive gaming and this goes outside 40k this goes in video gaming cards whichever is that um sometimes you're going to do a lot better playing what you know oh yeah um mm-hmm. so, so you know if you if you have an idea of what you're doing with one particular faction uh and you have this skew build and you have an idea what the meta is go ahead and play it and when we say meta i'm not just talking about list build i'm also under talking about like certain play types and certain play against specific units like if mm-hmm. you know a unit is busted and you know you, you really shouldn't engage it in the middle of the table you're gonna have to completely change your game plan and your list around that not just one thing or the other you gotta do both yeah um like i'm really i don't feel like engaging you know 10 centurions in the middle of the table i'm gonna take these corners and just own objectives and hope i live mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because a, a lot of these these busted units because Sort of the inevitable process of this is when one unit, one busted unit gets nerfed, another one crops up, uh, mm-hmm. and that just sort of continues. Um, whatever the the new hotness is will have a weakness, and you can look to take advantage of that. Just centurions are slow. Um, they want to play in the center of the table. You don't go anywhere near the center of the table. Figure out what these units are bad at and look to take advantage of that. Yes. Yeah, but don't beat your head against a brick wall when you know it's a brick wall. Like, yeah, just if, if something if something just doesn't add up, or you have options to, you know, efficiently handle something, the best answer is just not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because this is def- especially true for factions that have been pushed towards the bottom of the pile. You may not have a good answer to certain things, and oh. you just have to accept that. Yep. Sometimes your your best answer is is a strategy of avoidance and careful sacrifice to buy yourself time. Yeah. It's not pretty, but it works. Yeah. You don't necessarily have to engage them on their terms at all um, because you do have the option to try and play for something else. And for a lot of the players that are kind of at the like mid-table level, um, if they are playing this popular meta build, they may kind of have one plan in mind that has worked for them all the time because they're using this great, fantastic unit. And if you don't allow them to enact that plan, they may end up just kind of flailing around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in 9th edition, you definitely have an easier time doing it. I will say these set of missions... Um, present a greater opportunity for just simply outplaying your opponent versus just roll dice at each other and see who rolls better. Absolutely. Uh, so much of the game is dependent on playing the mission rather than the sort of statistics of killing models and whatnot, that you have a lot more control over your own fate. Yes. Well, I think it is right about time that we take a quick hop over to the canteen grab ourselves a little something-something as a reward for sticking loyally with our very good and not-at-all-terrible faction, whatever that may be. (laughs) And then when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about sticking things out, but then we'll also talk about maybe, maybe you want to turn traitor and see how that goes. (laughs) You mean infiltrate the enemy and become better at your terrible faction? That is what I will say retroactively when my traitorism is discovered, yes. (laughs) (laughs) When put on trial. Exactly. Betray everyone, including the people that you betrayed people to betray them to. (laughs) Greetings, this is your good host. I am here to extend a special COVID offer to any and all gaming-related businesses that would like to advertise for free on In the Finest Hour. Times are hard, and we want to support you. Give us a jingle at inthefinesthour at gmail.com, or message us on Facebook, and we'll hook you up with the advertising. (laughs) 
And we're back from discussing the difference between immoral and amoral, which hopefully has now been well illustrated to everyone listening to the podcast. Uh, so let's let's talk about staying faithful, uh, because this is something that I think the two of you actually have a lot of experience with. Uh, let's try all of my 40k career just about. Just about... On my end, I stay pretty loyal, but I'm known to dabble. Yeah, uh, and w- what we mean by this is, um, w- let's, let's presume that your faction is now truly bad. Um, you don't have a good build that can hold up to even, like, middle table stuff at this point. Uh, that all the the folks like crying about how terrible the changes were going to be for your faction were actually right, and now your faction is not good. Um, maybe you stick with it anyways because there is some value to be had there. Yes, uh, there's there's a couple things. Uh, for one, I have crazy amounts of experience with my faction, and. There's things I can pull out of my back pocket that startle really good players. They're like, I didn't know they had a stratagem that did that. I'm like, mm-hmm. well, yeah, you didn't play Grey Knights your entire gaming career. <laughs> yes. Yeah, there's there's a, there's a lot of value um, in being the underdog. Uh, there's a lot of things that come with being the underdog, of course. Uh, I played, in my examples, I played Index Orcs for all who ate up until um, the Codex came out and a bunch of new players came on. Um, and I already have, you know, close to a year of experience on these guys um, mm-hmm. that are suddenly coming in, learning with all these units. And I'm just like, well, for, for, well, back in the back in the day, four rows of fighting? Oh, I know how to do that. Right. Um, oh, all, all these different sets? Like, okay, cool. Other than, like, the small changes in the Codex. Like, there wasn't a ton that it needed, but it while it was a below-par army, um, there's still plenty of things it was competitive at. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. It just wasn't as good as other options. We're not talking true, truly unplayable. It's just you can still play a game of forty k. It's just you, you're going to lose to like the most random stuff, obviously. But at the same time, if you you know you're going to be the only guy at that tournament with that, um, <laughs> maybe unless there's others, uh, and. There, no one's going to be prepared for you. No one's going to be research, research you. Everybody's listening to podcasts and metas and this and that is going to have no idea what you bring to the table. Um, and that's going to be a huge advantage. I have won games on that alone of people just not knowing how my army works. Yes. And I think it it's hard to communicate just how valuable that can be. Uh, because there are a lot of factions with just weird and wacky tricks that, when used in the right situation, can really turn a game. And even bad factions have some of these. Um, Harlequins, for a long time, were one of these factions. that They were definitely not good. They were not a strong faction. They were not top tier. But if you didn't understand what they did, they could really give you a bad time. And a lot of people didn't understand them. Yeah. Um, And that is true for a lot of these, quote, bad factions. uh, That they will have some very nasty tricks that you may have in your back pocket. On the player psychology end, there's definitely something to play in the underdog, where a player comes in with a bit of overconfidence, mm-hmm. a bit of just like, oh, they're playing that trash, okay, and they're like playing a meta build of some sort. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of, well, a little bit disrespectful in some cases. Um, they're sometimes they have no idea what they're walking into. No. Absolutely. And then suddenly, you know, you know, turn three, they're down twenty points, and they're like, "How, how is this happening? I had no idea." And you're like, "Well, sir, yeah. um, you've you've stepped in my trap card." Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, they've uh. So there's there's definitely a player psychology end of it. Some players are going to play looser because of it. They're not going to take you as seriously. They're not going to do. They're going to kind of like go on their autopilot game plan. Um, they're not going to be afraid of anything you're going to do, or even some bother to ask what you're going to do. They're not going to be like suddenly be like, "Oh, Gaz can do what?" Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's, you know, when the, when that question's happening, like even though it's a gotcha moment, I hate those. They kind of bring it on themselves when they're the ones that don't bother to ask anything uh, at the beginning of the game in the first place. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. Drago versus Call in close combat. Call doesn't win that fight, by the way. 
he does not because, you know, a lot of people had never really seen Drago in the table until like the very end of eighth. And they didn't realize that like, oh, yeah, he's got a power fist that strikes at initiative with full rerolls. That's actually pretty dangerous. Uh, my, my favorite part is he walked into the side of a Magnus and with a bunch of other Gribbly Grey Knights there and they all rerolled their damage against it. That rule almost never comes up. That's the first time I use mm-hmm. that aura. Not not a lot of people realized that they should have, but Grey Knights are good against demons? Really? <laughs> Who thought? Yeah, weird. And then... I've seen that same thing with orcs a number of times where people will charge into a squad of orcs uh, and it's like some Ludas or tank busters or something like that, and they'll get like their 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 unit of guardians just absolutely pummeled, and they're like, "Wait a minute, orcs are good at close combat." It's like, "Yeah, my dude. Uh, even the worst orc has two attacks at strength four, weapon skill three. Yeah. Look, I uh, if I had a nickel for every time someone said they how many attacks? Yeah. Um, <laughs> in that tone of voice. Mm-hmm. I'd be a rich man. Um, there's, I, I've definitely, you know, had you know multiple full squads of Harlequin charge into uh, charge into a group of orcs, and it's like, okay, you killed ten. Um, my turn. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then the twenty swing back, and the and then the Harlequins are dead. Um, so I, I've I've ran into that before. Uh, the 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 thing here is this not only just counts for you know your entire army being bad, but also just you know a, a post nerf like if someone doesn't see a meta unit choice in your army they'll they'll take your army for granted um i had mm-hmm. this happen uh with my you know list i made a name for myself with 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 the freebooters where people didn't see ludas and they're like okay cool i'm playing some rando um local or whichever because <laughs> i'm actually quite i'm local to vegas so like an ovo people are like, oh, you're down the street and people are like oh okay that 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 puts people that disarms people pretty quick yeah uh, <laughs> And then, you know, I, I start whooping on them and they're like, well, wait, what the heck? Yep. Um, because they're getting hit by things they just didn't understand, didn't prepare for. Things are completely non-meta, um, or at least what they thought at the time. And it it's a it definitely is a little trump card. Um, and, you know, you play that as much to your advantage as possible. Don't be that guy. Don't don't try and gotcha people. But if someone's willingly to willingly just going to, like, disregard you, go ahead and put them in the sand. Yes. <laughs> I never feel bad when opponents actively decide to underestimate me. Which they do quite a lot with Grey Knights. And women. It, there's it's too far that there. too yes uh we're not we're not going to go into the misogyny of the game in this episode because you know that's a whole other series of episodes but uh yes certainly people will underestimate you for a variety of reasons use it yep if they're going to give that to you just take it from them it's also your time to claim your best in faction for a particular GT and the yep. little little uh, badges and plaques you might get. I have a couple bookshelves worth. Yes. <laughs> uh, for quite a long time, you were the de facto best of Grey Knights at every tournament you went to. Yep. Yeah, I have a few best in faction orcs from um, both when they were good and when they weren't good. So right. I'm proud of all of them, though. Yeah, and you should be. And and as we kind of mentioned, like, that can be a big advantage if you are a faction people just don't know very much about um, because they may not know the questions to ask or they may not know to ask questions or anything like that. Um, and they or they may just be overwhelmed even if you give them the answers It's like if they're like, what rules do does a squad of boys have? And you're like, oh, geez, uh, there's like 16 of them. Um, there's, there's a lot. <laughs> Yeah, they don't have time to learn your faction during the game. If they're learning your faction during the game, they are on the back foot. Absolutely. Uh, But even beyond that, like, if you are someone who is stuck with a faction and are a regular for your faction, even if you're not winning, you can still get a lot of respect from people for being willing to stick with that faction even through the bad times. The Um, other other thing I was going to come out uh, is... You learn about playing on the back foot a lot. You get a lot of drills in it. Yep. So when now that my faction's actually pretty decent, if I get thrown on the back foot, I just know how to compensate and go for it. Twist around and pull myself back up. Because I have yeah. literal years of experience doing that. And and playing a bad faction does force you to play your best game every time. 
or lose. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you are playing a strong meta faction, you can kind of coast through a lot of games and not try very hard. That's not true with a faction that is a lot less powerful. It's because everything is coming from you, not the army. Uh, what was it? I, I believe Mitch pointed out that like to make himself a better player, he had to play a crappier faction because it would challenge him more. Yeah. Well, let's kind of use that as our our pivot point here, because uh, you don't have to stick with your faction, and it may, in fact, be valuable not to. Um, If it turns out that your army that you were playing before is actually bad now and is no longer really competitive... Uh, you may want to switch to another faction, either because you want to be maximally competitive or because you're just not enjoying the faction anymore. Um, Burnout's a thing. It absolutely is. And switching to a new faction can be a good way to avoid some of that, but also gain yourself a lot of other stuff. We spent a whole episode talking about the reasons you might want to switch factions. And we're not going to go too deep into all of those, Uh, but if you want to go back and listen to that, uh, there is a lot you can gain by switching to a different faction, Uh Uh, and maybe this is the time to do it if your army gets nerfed. As someone who owns way too many armies, um, it's a good time to also get a better understanding of the meta you're in. Um, mm-hmm. If you're playing an army that really can't make it in the meta per se, like it, like the meta being like currently you know elite infantry and such, if your army doesn't do that well, um, you want to see what it's like to play on that side. Uh, you're gonna have a much easier time playing against those armies that are doing it once you've done it yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And also, it's just a nice breath of fresh air to be like, oh, wow, this is what it feels like to be at the top. Mm, mm, nice. <laughs> it's that, that crisp brush breath from the top of the mountain where you're just like, ah, smells like tear ass. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, wow, this, this really is busted. Yeah, oh, like, I, and sometimes it feels good just to like play that super broken game and go, wow. I, I rolled bad and I still won. I don't know if that's ever happened to me before. <laughs> I, the first time I played Tau, I was sitting there like, huh, my opponent keeps picking up models. And Sean's like, yeah, Tau killed things and shooting, Shaylin. Yep. I, I, I remember that tournament where you were like basically playing them for the first time. And you kept finishing your games before, you know, the time was called and your opponents were like, picking up all their models because you were able to roll dice and make things happen to them, which was not something that Grey Knights could do very well. Yeah, it was a it was a day. I had a lot of interesting expressions. Yeah. My first faction shift um, was when, right after Custodes came out, because I was like, oh, Custodes seemed like an amazing army, both lore and other such wise. I didn't really care if they were meta yet. They did become meta, but hmm. that's beside the point. Um, and I shifted from orcs to those, and that was the biggest playstyle model type in whichever shift I've ever done. Well, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, <laughs> and it felt great. Oh God, did it feel good picking up like shooting like a hundred plus, uh, you know, yeah, bolters at people and be like, oh, that was really cool. These bikes are busted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, from from both a play perspective and also from a hobby perspective, it can be really nice to make a change like that sometimes. Uh, because if you've been painting orcs or marines or what have you for a while, a lot of times you kind of get into a rut and you're just you're painting these same units, you're building these same lists, you're doing the same thing over and over again. Uh, and you you stop you stop losing that innovation that is so critical to getting good and staying good at the game. Yeah. And the uh, the thing that I like to do um or I'm not sure I like to. I should say my wife actually enjoys doing is uh, it's like oh well my craft world are kind of bad now. Mm-hmm. Um, hey look Drakari, mm-hmm. uh, like <laughs> it's not, it's not hard to shift, especially when the the armies you were playing anyway because they can ally. Yes, um, sticking within like an allied group can often be a very good way to do things. Uh, so if you are playing either Chaos Eldari or Imperial, uh, you will have a fair number of options available to you for other armies to kind of pivot over to um if you are a xenos faction it's not quite as easy and that's just 
kind of the unfortunate reality of it, but um, you can still play I think something. GSC plus play just play Imperial Guard now. That's awesome. Yeah, that's there. There are some options there. It's it's not totally outside <laughs> things. Um, but even if you don't do that, like you know, playing a faction that shares something in common with the faction you had been playing up until that point um, can be nice because it allows you to retain some of your familiarity of like, oh well, I really like Slanesh. Um, well, I'm not going to play Chaos Marines anymore, but I'm going to try Chaos Demons out for a little while here. Yeah. Uh, personally, as someone who habitually shifts armies, uh, unlike our, our other two hosts, I do not have any single army that I am particularly dedicated to. Um, I generally keep about three different factions that I can bounce between, and with my model collection everything, that gives me enough that at any given time I can play a fairly high-end meta army uh, simply by using one of those factions. And admittedly, that is in part because of the factions that I choose, but um, all factions get good or bad at some point. Uh, and if you have a couple of different armies that you can pivot between, that means that you're never truly going to be terrible with all of them because the chances that all three of your different armies are simultaneously just atrocious is just really low. Also, on that comment of that, Sean's three factions. I don't own Tau. He owns Tau. How do I play Tau? I use Sean's Tau. Yeah. Uh, Borrow Hammer is super important if you want to branch out. <laughs> You don't have to buy a, a brand new 2,000-point army if you want to switch armies, especially if you are part of a, a group of folks and have either a gaming group or a team or whatnot. Yeah, I doubt you're using your town when you're playing with your craft world, so... Yes. Um. <laughs> Not a lot of ally potential right in there. Well, I mean, I'm building up the sisters so Sean can borrow those back. I mean, it's only mm -hmm. fair. Yeah, that's how it works. It's it's really nice to actually have something to be able to, to lend someone um, in a time of need or whichever. And my personal secret, especially with, if my faction's down, like if I know orcs aren't doing that great, is I'll I'll keep track of my my RTT scores and my total like best in faction ITC rankings. I mean, like, am I still within what I find tolerable levels? Am I still in the top three, top five? Okay, cool. Do I have three RTTs recorded? Cool. I want to play something different at this RTT so I don't need to smash my head against the wall um, and do what was, for me at the time, 8th uh, edition orcs against meta um, just-released Imperial Knights. Oh, that was, boy. Yeah. That was, a, that was one of the roughest times in 40k for me, and that's actually what made me shift. Yeah. Uh, especially if you are playing for ITC faction points, and that's a thing that matters to you. Uh, at a certain point, you do hit that wall of like, well, it's going to be a pretty marginal increase. You know, I have three RTT wins with, well, an 8, a 12, and a 16-player uh, RTT. If I'm going to another 8-player RTT, I'm not going to get any more points. It doesn't matter what I bring and whether I win and how well I do. Um, so maybe you do bounce over to something else for a little while and just mix it up a bit. I mean, I've done joke lists and other things just just for my sanity, just for my mental state, and just to like feel good. Because I'm just like, you know what? Today I'm going to play the Encarn and Witches because it's fun. Exactly. Uh -huh. And and you can do that either in or out of faction, depending on what you want to do. But you know, sometimes you go to an RTT and you bring two thousand points of assassins, and that's just what you're doing that time. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> you won that thing, didn't you? Uh, depends on which one you're talking about. Uh, I did win an RTT with Assassins, um, but I also lost several, because it turns out Assassins are not all that good. No. As still a child at heart, I also just find some models more fun to put together, mm -hmm. or these smaller count armies, because, like, putting together 100 orcs and 100 grots, um, That's a lot know, of work. for a list is... Yeah. It's a lot of work. It's, it's not, it ain't easy. But you know what? Putting together three knights, that's actually kind of fun. Mm -hmm. um, getting those guys three colored or, you know, or whatever we call that these days uh, and ready for the table it doesn't take a lot of work at all. And it's, it's, it's quite enjoyable. And it might actually give you that little hobby break versus um, having to paint the pants on 90 boys. Oh, yes. Pants. Yeah. You, you always remember that this is a hobby. 
We're doing this to have fun and enjoy ourselves. And there's lots of ways to do that. And there's nothing wrong with enjoying yourself through competitive play. But remember that that's not the only enjoyable thing and that there are ways to change what you're doing in the game that may bring you some relief. Because if you have been stressing out over whatever faction is you normally play for the last six months and they're just making you miserable, just step away from it for a little while. Try something else. I ha- I got to that point with Grey Knights. It took me literal years, but I got to that point. So, hey, it's, don't mm-hmm. feel bad about it. Look, my old man gripe is the idea that I go, I could spend two and a half hours grinding this game out, doing a game that I know is going to take for freaking ever, and moving all these, you know, I was playing Horde Works at the time, moving all these models and hurt my back, or... I can move these 20 models mm-hmm. and have a much faster game uh, and enjoy myself a lot more at this RTT. Yeah. Yes. It, especially for smaller events or if you are where we are now where there's not really any events and you're just sort of playing practice games and stuff, um, use those opportunities to try out other stuff and kind of expand your game uh, because when you're in a position where you can't get anything else. You know, you can't win on RTTs and gain any useful ITC points for them, or you can't actually learn anything from your faction because you've just been bashing your head up against this list and there's there's nowhere for it to go. Um, in, in a lot of those cases, the best thing you can do is to expand your knowledge of the game by trying new units, by trying different factions, by trying strategies you've never used before. Mm-hmm. And and that's value that carries over to the game at large rather than being specific to one army. Yeah, and the pep talk that I want to give is a lot of people choose to quit 40k at this time and either come back later or not come back at all um, just because yeah. something changed and they didn't take the change well, uh, whether it be like some sort of mental adjustment or you know, whatever reasons they want to give themselves. A lot of people choose to step away from this game this time. This is one of the number one, like, uh, population killers in 40K is somebody's mm-hmm. stuff isn't good anymore, so they don't play. Yeah. Um, and I want, we want to present to you guys that there's options. Um, this is a Absolutely. well, this is a well-maintained hobby, especially nowadays, on both a rules front and a community front. Um, there's a lot of resources out there. There's a lot of ways to change what you play, whether it be same faction or switching faction. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not the end of the world. The, the The nerf bat is not the the meteor that killed the dinosaurs. It may have killed your faction, but it didn't kill you. Um, and there's still a lot to learn from this game. There's still, you know, you obviously haven't mastered it. Uh, you know, unless you're like one of like you know two listeners who might be you know <laughs> at the number one ITC if they do bother listening to this podcast. Like mm-hmm. you guys, no one's really mastered this game and there's a lot to learn and there's a lot of value to be had in this hobby um and just because your army got nerfed doesn't mean you need to quit it just means you might need to try something else yes yeah that's that's definitely the thing i would like to emphasize the most here is that a change to the game does not mean the end of your faction or the end of the way you play the game because it can feel really painful and this is why we're sort of recommending these like ways to change up what you're doing because those can help to to shake you out of that like hobby depression mm-hmm. um but you can absolutely keep playing your game uh and i think that Shaylin and Ben are both really good examples of uh you know no matter what happens to your faction you can still keep playing it and still keep achieving something yes i will also point out that after i learned how to play tau my victories against tau went up a good 10% mhm i just beat tau that much better cuz i know how they work yeah and look you might just be pleasantly surprised um you know the I I heard the doom and gloom of orcs uh, with it beginning in ninth, and I didn't feel it. I wasn't feeling it. I was like, no, nah, there, there's there's going to be something. I'm not not too worried. And uh, here we are. Um, go look at the yeah. go look at some GT placings. They're doing just fine. They are the only Xenos faction who is consistently taking top fours and victories. There you go. Good orcs. Wow. So. Hopefully this has been useful to everyone who is uh, maybe struggling with various parts of meta shifts that we're seeing in Ninth Edition right now, uh, as the game is in a very strange place with the, the minimal number of tournaments and the large number of books coming out. Uh, but 
if you are still maybe trying to cope with things a little bit and you don't know where to go, you need some advice, you, you want to try and you know talk to someone about things, you can reach out to us at either inthefinesthour at gmail.com or through Facebook where we are also in the finest hour. And if you want to have maybe a little bit more in-depth and ongoing of a conversation with us and you'd like to support our podcast and everything we do here, for $5 a month, you get access to our private Facebook group as well as the Discord server where we all hang out and post cool models and stupid memes and talk about all the lists we've been considering. Uh, and that money goes straight to the, the cost that we use to kind of pay for the podcast and our equipment and hosting, all that sort of thing. So we really do appreciate everyone who is able to contribute to that. Uh, we know this is a tough time for a lot of folks, and if you are able to make that $5 a month, it means a lot to us. So thank you very much to all of our Patreons for everything you've done for us and helped support us through these rather difficult hobby times. I'd like to thank Rylan Woodrow for producing excellent art for us and many others. You can find him on Facebook and Instagram and, like, just start typing in his name. You will find this man. Yes, Rylan is, he's been doing some incredible work and his Slanesh army is just perfect. Oh, it's looking really good. Yeah. And I'd like to thank Dank Muse for providing us the wonderful tunes that we use on our show. Um, you can find their, uh, their music on YouTube, SoundCloud, and Spotify. All right. Well, I think that wraps us up for the week. Next week, we'll be talking about allocating your CP. Uh, because in ninth edition, we're living in the world of spreadsheets, where all of your CP is spent on turn one. And wait, is this a good thing? We'll find out. Well, I wouldn't say it's spent on turn one, but it's definitely allocated. Yes. Uh, so we will be discussing spreadsheets and uh, return on investment, and we actually won't be discussing any of those things. It will be an interesting topic rather than a terrible, boring topic. So my greatest apologize to all of the accountants out there who are going to be really disappointed, but uh, we're going to try and make that one uh, more interesting than it actually sounds. So, for In the Finest Hour, I've been Sean Morgan. Shailen Allen West. Ben Drake. Thanks for listening. <laughs>